0: Blinds.com makes it simple to shop top quality blind shades and interior shutters from home with easy online ordering, free shipping, and a guaranteed fit, whether you DIY or have them installed for you. Go right now and see how much you can save at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
1: Oh, okay. yeah!
0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to Positively Chaotic. If this is your first time joining us, make sure to subscribe to Positively Chaotic on YouTube. And if you're listening, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm so glad to have you here. This week, we have the founder and inventor of Ring. Jamie Semenov. Jamie and I have a fascinating conversation about his completely unconventional path to building his dream company and never giving up on your passion. If this inspires you, which I am sure that it will, please share it with a friend or family member and let us know what you think. And if there's someone that you would love to hear on the podcast, go ahead and send me a message or tag me on Instagram and we'll go find them. Please enjoy. Jamie Simonoff is a lifelong inventor, a mission-driven entrepreneur. Jamie created the world's first Wi-Fi video doorbell while working in his garage in 2011. The doorbell, then called DoorBot, has since transformed into what's known as Ring. A billion-dollar company that was acquired by Amazon in 2018 and has helped bring security to millions upon millions of people's homes. I'm so excited to have you here today, Jamie. Welcome to the podcast. How are you, my friend? What the hell's going on? Uh, I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me. Um,
1: you know, you're always—I'm always an excited, excited person, but you're always like extra excited. So I do love that about
0: you. I appreciate that, Jamie. And you know what? I do feel like we're in a time today where... So many people are viewing the glass being half empty and I like to always kind of consider it being half full and my mentality is always that half full glass mentality. And every time I've ever hung out with you, you've always been excitable and sort of half glass full type of guy. But what's going on in this bizarre world? Are you still in that same frame of mind? How are you feeling? How's business? How's family? What, what's going on for you at the moment? it is a time when I think you do have to
1: always start off with the respect of like, you know, a lot of people have died from this or have gotten very sick. So it is a, it is a very serious time. So I don't want to ever let my positivity sort of, um, overshadow the fact that this is a very serious thing that's happened in the world. That said to your point, I think, you know, as an entrepreneur, you always have to look at the positive side of things. You have to take the positive side of anything you're hit with, and try to figure it out you know one of the restaurants down the street i think is the greatest example of sort of taking covid and turning it into a positive called the golden bowl um, for anyone who knows like santa monica they didn't just like move the restaurant outside they built like a coliseum outside and i think they're three times busier than they were before covid and so i think it is you know not everyone can do it not every situation is the same but i do think it is like when you get hit with something like this is like, figure out what those, you know, those, those opportunities are. I'm spending more time with my son, who, who you, know, you know, 12 years old. And so being home has allowed me to spend more time with him. I've realized that I was probably traveling too much. So I, it, it did, you know, definitely give me some ways of re-looking at things on the positive side.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say, you're right. There are certain businesses that are thinking outside of the box. They're changing their ways. They're growing through COVID uh, for better or worse. I think a lot of business, sadly, are, are shutting their doors and having a very hard time. But this really is a time in life where we have to step outside of our comfort zone, be creative um, and try and push forward, which leads me to ask you as a company, Has work changed much? Like your day-to-day, I know you travel an incredible amount. I have to assume that's come to a screaming halt. But has the day-to-day business changed for you? Or is that very much the same?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it is really crazy that in January of, of this year... You know, everyone had to go to an office basically every day. You know, if we were meeting with a vendor, you know, one of our retailers to sell, like we went there and it was like, you couldn't see a different way of doing it. And then all of a sudden one day it was just like, no one can go to an office anywhere around the globe. And, you know, it's, it's incredible to watch that like we have not only been able to get through it, but... Really, continue to launch products through it, build new things for our customers. We're you know, a bit of an essential service for a lot of our customers to be able to connect to their home, to have security in their home during these times. So it has been something where we've been able to supply that and do it, and it's been, it's been incredible to watch how my team has reacted to it. Um, and it also just it's amazing that you know, and, and we're not the only company to do this, but literally work has changed in the last you know nine months, I guess. Completely. I mean, just just a total
0: change of how we do everything. So crazy. But I suppose in many ways, people in your industry, i.e. the tech industry, are more in a position to re-acclimate to this world which is more working from a digital space than going to an office than a lot of other businesses. Like I'm watching these schools try and restructure through Zoom and you have teachers that are 25 but you also have teachers that are 60 and 70 that didn't even know Zoom existed and so it's interesting watching everybody try and change with the times and certainly some people are finding it harder than others, um, others are finding it easier but this this whole Zoom thing, man, it is crazy. Watching my wife at home with the kids and, you know, she she's basically a prisoner from 8.30 to 3 p.m. doing Zoom now with my children every day. It is a really crazy, crazy time for sure. But I love to hear that, you know, you're, you're seeing it as a glass half full moment without minimizing what's actually happening. But when I was thinking about this interview, you know, you already know this and we'll get into how we met. I've always been obsessed with, with Ring. Before I ever met you, like, and I'm always obsessed with inventors. If people ask me, you know, who are the two people you'd most like to meet? It's Elon Musk and Richard Branson. It's an inventor mind. And I'm so intrigued by what the hell went through their mind to start certain things. And I felt the same way about Ring. And then I got to meet you. Um, but I have to ask, I feel like since this pandemic, I checked my Ring cameras maybe an unhealthy amount 900 times a day probably like i i am wondering though are more people buying ring security systems at this time uh, are you seeing sale volume go up is it how, how does that work i'm i'm genuinely really curious
1: i you know there's push and pull here you know headwinds and tailwinds um if you want to use the airplane analogy so we you know, the economy right now, like, you know, there are some real difficulties on the economy, unemployment's high. So you do have that headwind pushing at you, which is, you know, when people don't have jobs, it's harder to buy goods and services and things like yeah. that. Um, and then on the other side, you have a lot more people at home. They are doing more projects on their home. And you're you're seeing this from your job, uh, your your day job, which is, you know, which is so you're seeing sort of that the importance of the home you know, I, I, like the the home is working harder for us than it ever has before. Uh, the home is now a schoolhouse. The home is now an office. The home is now our full kitchen. Like it's it's not just like a kitchen when we're there, you know, like I think we are getting more and more used to going out and now like, you know, so so I do think that like with that, we are seeing the tailwind of people, yeah, wanting to have more cameras to check them, their home more, they're, 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 when they're out, they want to see. And so it is, it's interesting. I think our business has done, okay through this and we just you know to me it's like you keep your head down i always say that we're we, someone doesn't buy our product they reward us with their purchase when we do something that makes their lives better and so i do think right, right now to right. your point like we are giving peace of mind when you have a camera the alarm at night when you turn it on and so those things i think we're, we're being rewarded for the products that you know are making their lives
0: better through this time i agree i think there's a big difference between a want and a need and obviously, everybody wants a camera and a security system, but I actually personally, as the most paranoid person I know, this is a need for me. It's a necessity. And I'm going to quickly, I'm going to jump into how you and I met, because I do think it's a fascinating story. And I won't, I won't go on about it too long, but I was a huge fan of Ring. I used my Ring cameras to prank my nanny, my wife, my teachers, the people that delivered water. I pranked people through Ring and then I also used Ring as my legit security camera and I was fascinated by it and I, I always saw a partnership with Ring and myself and then we share a mutual friend, Zach Vella, and then through Zach we met at a hotel one day and then I begged you for a meeting. You of course obliged. You probably thought thought I'd never follow up. Monday morning, 8am, I followed up. I followed up. And before you knew it, I was in your office having a meeting. And I really wanted to do something with Ring because I believe when you do collaborations with companies, it has to feel organic. And there's such a crossover between security and cameras and real estate. And I had this big idea of having my own product line with Ring. And that was, of course, me living in my fantasy world. But then that conversation led to something else. And before you knew it, I was standing in a studio with Shaq and yourself, and we made a national TV commercial. And I love that story because for me, that's about manifesting. And it's not that I'm standing next to you or Shaq, but it's that I had this idea. I really wanted to make something happen. And when you believe in something and you put something out in the universe and you follow up and you don't give up, things happen. And we made a commercial and... I'll never forget it. It was a great experience and I still love Ring as much today. So I did just want to quickly share that story because I think it's super cool. I
1: think you're right. I think it's also, you know, kind of from the opposite side, it's literally the same because, you know, I started in my garage and if you had told me I was going to be in a commercial with James Harris, um, I would have been, you know, I I would have said there's no way. So, you know, and, and so from the other side of that is like, I put my mind to it. I executed, I sort of worked at it. And to a point where then I was in a commercial with James Harrison Shack, uh, which is insane because I'm just like some kid from New Jersey who was building doorbells in his garage. And now I'm on national TV with that. So but I think you're right. I think the one thing I mean, I get asked a lot. People send me a lot of emails of how do I get this? And I have this idea. And it's like you do have to just do it. It's It's not about like talking to people and asking for advice, I think, is not. You just do it like you just have to go out and do it and, and you're going to get no's and you're going to get embarrassed and people are, I mean, I'm sure, you know, you probably have a thousand stories to get to where you are of people laughing at you or whatever. And you just have to like keep doing it. And I think that's the hardest part is you we, we are sort of brought up that when someone says no, you, you kind of like, you know, you turn away in something like this. And it's like you have to sort of mentally get yourself to the point where you just keep hitting your head against the wall, the same wall with not... Seeing any different information. I mean, it's it's not like when you keep doing it, you think oh, now I'm now going to succeed. Like you don't know. You just keep doing it. So yeah, no, I. I uh, yeah, that that's also why sense. we we sort of had such a fun time when we met each other because we're cut from the same cloth of like you know we're just going to go out there and do it.
0: And I think you are so right. And and one thing I learned very early on that people should really use in their lives is that every time you hear the word no, you're closer to a yes. And if you can instill that mentality of every time you hear no, you're closer to a yes, you're going to do much better off because I feel as though people get so let down when they hear the word no. They feel like they're less than, they cannot achieve, they're not as good as others. When in actuality, you had the opportunity to pitch an idea or be someone, maybe they said no, but it gives you an opportunity to get closer to a yes. So I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm so curious, Jamie, because I know... You're an entrepreneur. You're a husband. You're a traveler. You're an inventor. You're a father, which I do want to dive into. But I'm curious, like, what was it like early life? Do you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up? Jamie Simonoff, before he's in his garage, an inventor, a little kid. Where was your mind at? What did you want to be?
1: What's funny is that I didn't know what I wanted to be until I really, like, got much older, but looking back on it, it was very clear what I wanted to be. I was always building stuff. I was always, you know, putting stuff together and fixing things and taking stuff apart. So I was always an inventor. The hard part is how obvious things are looking back um, and how hard they are sometimes when you're in this sort of situation. And so like, you know, when I was in high school or college, I should have just said to myself, I know exactly what I want to be, but I didn't. I, I thought I wanted to be in real estate, you know, which was like one of the first things I did. You know, you, you see people making money and you want to do finances. I mean, like as a young person, you sort of go through these things, and it, but it was obvious based on looking backwards now that,
0: yeah, I should have just been in a garage tinkering with things all my life. I absolutely love that. And I think it's amazing when we look back at our childhood, because I was the same. I mean, my mother was an interior designer and I was always intrigued by design and homes and whatnot. But then I thought I wanted to be a vet, which clearly was never going to happen. Sometimes you have to follow your gut feeling instinct when you're young and, and go from there. And it's incredible to me, Jamie, you found this incredible success in your career. But I'm curious. Like how you got your start, what was your first job in the tech industry? What drew you into the field? Obviously it was childhood building things, but like what got you into this business and, and what got you started? It's fun. You know, it, it was, it's very nonlinear. So there's not like I I didn't have sort of a progression
1: path of, I got this thing with this job and that, I mean, everything led to something but it was in a very non-linear way where I, you know, started working in college as an intern for a real estate company doing sale leasebacks, which if you, you know, you probably know, you collect up a bunch of, you know, pharmacies that are all rented and that got me traveling, which then got me working on databases to put these into databases, which then through that, I started doing business plans. Like it, it just, I really looked at myself as like a snowball that was rolling down the hill, hitting some rocks along the way. So I'd lose a little bit of snow, but then I gained some more and I just kind of kept bouncing around. What happened is I I finally hit this point. I was, people said I was a serial entrepreneur and what they didn't realize is that I really was someone who just couldn't find my footing. You know, I was an inventor who couldn't figure that out. And so I was bouncing around and doing little things. What's funny is when I finally said, no, I'm gonna, I'm an inventor. I'm gonna go in the garage and invent. So it's when I did the littlest thing in my career from the outside looked like, Sort of the worst career move at 30 years old i said i'm going in the garage and i'm going to work on these things that's what actually then sort of allowed me to build ring and do this
0: absolutely brilliant and i guess for me the big question and and this is why i do this podcast is to follow people's journeys and see where they started at 30 in the garage to where they're at today and everything that kind of happened in the bridge through the middle i guess looking back What was the most chaotic time or moment in your life that you were able to then transform into a positive experience?
1: I think it's such a great question because it happens so often. And I think so the the most is a a tough one because, you know, as you're building any business, as you're building your career, you're hitting so many, you know, to your point of the no's become yeses. You can't see that. Like you, you you know, you can't see where you're, you know, if you if you could see that the next one would be a yes, you just keep going. The problem is you just don't know where any of this is. So when things are chaotic, you, you don't know what the other side looks like until afterwards. Um, you know, probably the most the most chaotic though, like really when it sort of hit ahead was with Ring, you know, we sold the company to Amazon in in early 2018. And in late 2017 number of factors hit the business was doing well the the but we had some stuff happen and we literally kind of almost almost bankrupted the company and it was going into the holidays and we had when you're going into the holidays as a consumer product company you have you know massive amounts of of inventory out there so you're from your from your cash side you're sort of at your worst position any any sort of product company is the worst position in September October because they've already bought all the stuff for you know November December to sell um, and they've paid for it and so you're just in this really bad position and you know not the I won't go into all the gory details but basically like entering into the ho- holiday season end of October November of 2017 was probably the worst time in my personal career and, and, and if it had gone the other way it would have impacted me just there was just so many things it just was really really bad and at that time I really hadn't taken any money out of the business so I had a you know a high net worth on paper but I really didn't have any money personally either and so it was really just kind of it was really all on the line and you know it, it just gave me this like the clarity I had going into those holidays of like what I had to do and how to work through it and I went on I remember I went on they call it uh, Black Saturday. It's, it's the Black Friday weekend. And on QVC, they, we, they, we had an all-day special. And, you know, it was the, the all-day special was a great opportunity because if we sold well, you sell through all this stuff. The other side is if you don't sell well, you could have $10 million of inventory coming back, you know, when you're already in trouble. And we sold out that day. And there's a picture of me. And if you look at it, like, you really look at it, like, I am basically almost dead. Um, I mean, I literally like, it was like selling blood at a blood bank and I, I was going to sell every one of those damn units. I was on TV live, I think for almost 11 hours for that day, which is just, you know, I mean, you do TV, so you know how it is actually exhausting to do these things. And so we made it through, turned things around, Amazon comes in right after that. And then, you know, I mean, literally, so within a four or five month period, I went from, you know, Fairly close to really being in a you know very bad financial spot personally and with the company to you know an
0: extremely successful exit to Amazon. That is absolutely unbelievable. And this is why I'm doing the podcast, because a story is exactly like that. Because the hairs on my arm are standing up, and this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because for me, so many people may have felt defeated. You carried on, you had a focus, you knew where you wanted this thing to go. You were prepared to do whatever it took as an inventor and a lover of your product and you did what it took. Just to
1: add, because I think too often someone listening or someone seeing this says like, oh, I just don't have, like that guy is able to do this. He's like, like I was at home crying in my bed at night. The only thing that actually kept me really going was I was so far in that I couldn't turn around. Now, maybe some other people would have given up, but I wasn't like taking it on, like I'm taking the world on, like I'm Jamie Siminoff, I'm strong. I was, I was scared, I was, you know, I, I was like, it was emotional, it was hard, but I also had no, it was a one way street. Like I, I just, if I stopped, we were dead. And so you kind of had to just pick
0: up every morning and rally the team and go. Did you ever feel defeated in that moment, did you ever feel like it was over or did you see light at the end of the tunnel and say to yourself, I'm gonna keep going because I see that light? I never let anyone see that I felt defeated because, you know, especially around like when you're,
1: you know, one of the things as you get bigger is obviously you have lots of people around you. You need those people to feel that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Certainly at night though, I would say to myself like, how did I let myself get into this? Like I had very tough, Moments of just, you know, that's there were there was definitely times I didn't see the light, but at the same time, almost the lucky side is I didn't have another option. You know, like I, I kind of I had to keep going, and I, and I think some people obviously would give up in that or, or not be as clear. The only thing I can liken it to is if you know any pilots, when a when something terrible happens on an airplane, like when something happens that's like an emergency, a pilot gets actually there. They just like, it's almost like nothing's happening. They like get a book out and they're like, okay, write engine, you know, whatever. And they like open the book to that and they're like going through a checklist. And so I think that's like what you have to do in business is no matter how scary it is, you, you got to say, like, the only way out is to perform. And to perform, you have to be clear. You have to work. So it's like, it's a go, like, so I went through the checklist. I'm like, I have to, I have to crush QVC. I have to sell out every unit. I have to do this. I have to, I, I literally, kind of went through the checklist and just did it. Now, internally though, I was, yeah, I was, a, I was a disaster, but made it
0: work. But that's okay. You might have been internally, but externally you were that pilot ready to land that plane safe. <laughs> When the world outside is as crazy and hectic as it is, what I'm truly starting to realize is that home is absolutely everything. And it's so easy and affordable to turn your home into even more of a sanctuary with Blinds.com. Blinds.com really do make it ridiculously simple to just go out and shop top quality blinds, shades, and interior shutters from your house with this super easy online ordering, and it has free shipping. The experts at Blinds.com truly understand that window treatments are just one of those household items that you don't think about, but they make a huge impact on the look and feel of your home. You don't need to do this big fancy renovation by just simply changing out what's on the windows. You can literally change the way that the light comes into your home and it creates a totally different vibe. Go to blinds.com, take a quick look at all their options. They've got the faux wood blinds, the cellular and roller shades. They even do a really cool line of outdoor shades. And if you're nervous about trying them, there is really no reason to be. Blinds.com have helped millions of homeowners through the process, plus they guarantee the perfect fit, whether you DIY or have them measure and install everything for you. Go right now and see how much you can save at Blinds.com. And when you check out online, make sure you don't forget to tell them you heard about Blinds.com from Positively Chaotic with yours truly, James Harris. Rules and restrictions may apply. Going into QVC that day, how many units or cameras did you expect to sell versus how many cameras did you sell in that 11-hour period? I forget what it broke down to. It was 20, I think it was
1: $22.6 million was the day to sell out. That's like 100 and something thousand cameras. It was, a, it was an insane goal. Obviously, it's one of their busiest days, so they obviously expected that it would do well, but if we were off, remember, if, if we only did... 15 million, that's $7 million we wouldn't have sold that day, which either could have come returned or had like, so the difference was like the swing was really, really big.
0: That is the drive and passion that people need to have in themselves and their business and their own self-belief in order to succeed. And that brings me to asking you, like, how do you balance your creative inventor needs whilst today you're being the leader of a company and and running a business. There's almost two aspects to that. There's Jamie, the guy in his garage that wants to get down and dirty and invent. And then today there's the Jamie that is running a super successful business. How the hell do you balance those two things? See, it's, it, what's funny is that from the outside, you'd probably think I'm more running the business now than
1: inventing. And because I was able to sell to Amazon, who's a company that's so great at supporting inventors and entrepreneurs, where maybe before I sold on a normal day, of my work was raising money, managing the business, running the business, and like a very small percent was was really inventing. I think I'm now flip-flopped. I'm probably 20% running the business and 80% inventing. And I think we're starting to see the results of that. Obviously, in my business, it takes a long time. If I dream something up, it takes about, depending on the product, you know, we just launched this, uh, the Ring Always Home Cam, which some people would call even a drone. Um, You know, very unique for the industry um but you know those things take years from when you sort of think of them to get them out and so we just launched that we launched a whole bunch of cars so we are starting now to launch stuff that i think is like the industry is noticing that we are developing stuff faster
0: and and different and inventing than anyone else and that's coming from i have now time to do it i absolutely love it and if you had to say you had a preference would it be Jamie out there raising money uh, being the businessman or would it be Jamie sitting there getting creative and inventing
1: no I, I I call myself the chief inventor uh, at ring I always say that I'm an inventor who realizes that you need to have a business in order to make an impact I think the the most satisfied inventor in the world if you look you know it's James dyson it's elon Musk it's it's people that you know make a big impact I think are the most satisfied inventors because you're As an inventor what you want to do is fix a problem but then you want to see people using that you know and so at scale and so it's kind of like to be a great inventor to be a i say maybe a highly satisfied inventor you do have to have a business as the way to deliver the invention and so it's it's kind of like to me the, but it's really the second thing I, i i if i could just invent and not have a business i'd probably be happy
0: doing that i love to hear that and i genuinely look at you in the same circle of inventors today as an Elon Musk, no, I really do, a Richard Branson, people that have changed the way we do things. Because the truth is, Ring today is so easy. It sounds like a bloody infomercial, but the way that Ring works, and I genuinely am just such a big fan, you've taken out so much hard work for people to ensure security. I'm on the Ring news feed looking at what's going on in my neighborhood every night. I mean, I do that along with Facebook and bloody Instagram. That's the Ring fan that you have here. And it's something quite amazing that you've you've created. You then sell your company to Amazon. If that isn't the American dream, I don't know what is. But I'm also so intrigued with what happened before. You were on Shark Tank. Okay, you were on Shark Tank. You had an amazing experience. You, if I'm not mistaken, didn't get picked up by one of the sharks. Must be one of their biggest ever regrets. Fast forward, you're now one of the guest judges on Shark Tank. I have to understand what that entire experience was like. And did you feel defeated when they said no? Like, just give me an overview of that mad experience. There's so much unpacking there. Because when I went on Shark Tank the first
1: time, I drove from my garage where I was working on my product to the set in Sony. And and so I was a real, I mean, I was a real inventor. I really needed the money. I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't have a real business that was like, I didn't need it. I was just trying to get some publicity Like I literally drove from my garage where we were like trying to get this thing to work to, you know, to Sony, we film, we don't get money. I'm definitely, again, like it was, you know, one of many times feeling defeated. Uh, You know, you're not sure if you're gonna even get on the air because if you don't get a deal, some of those companies don't actually even get on the air. And, you know, the company was like, at that point we were called DoorBot. We were a couple guys in a garage. I was funding it. I mean, it was, it was a tough time. And, you know, being on Shark Tank, huge. I mean, the exposure to be on Shark Tank, the credibility, the awareness, I mean, it, game changing. And so we got very lucky. We filmed in September. The show airs basically, it's like October to like, I think March. I don't know if we if they had put us on the end of the season, if they put us in March, I'm not sure if we would have still been around. And they don't tell you when you're gonna air. They don't, there's nowhere to call. And all of a sudden I get this call like, hey, you're going to air on um, November 13th or whatever it was, which is like, so we were going on the air with a new product that we were just about to start shipping right before the holidays. And we're going to be on, you know, 13 minutes of national TV airtime. It's like, you couldn't be in a better time, better place, better everything. And it, you know, it was amazing. You know, we, we sold the product from it, got credibility and awareness from it. We were able to get some money in from it. And use that to sort of, and that really was one of the moments and one of the things. Without Shark Tank, we I don't think we would be here uh, today because it gave us wow. so much momentum to go off of. And then, you know, for me, I would say like it, it was like being an Olympian, you know, a track runner and being in the Olympics. Like it, it, it's and, and 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 like basically getting a, I'll say the silver medal. The gold medal would probably have been raising money on it, but you know, being on Shark Tank for me was. That was a huge accomplishment. I mean, you know, as a guy from my garage, you know, from Jersey, sure. who was building stuff like that, really was a big deal for me. To then go back on as a judge, you know, as a shark. It was like it never happened before in the in the in the history of the show. Uh, you know, my my company today is the largest one ever to have appeared on Shark Tank. So I'm a, I'm a humble guy because I, I I am, but and I try never to like sort of pat myself on the back or celebrate because I think there's always something you can do better for the world and but yeah that was a, a hell of a moment. I mean I remember sitting in that sitting in that shark chair as my peers
0: now, you know, and coming to the other side. I mean it, it's yeah it's it was like you know it was beyond emotional. Let me just tell you, it is fucking. Phenomenal. And it's a story that I've shared with so many people in the past because I'm sorry, you may not pat yourself on the back because you are a humble man. And and we're going to get to that in a moment. But the fact of the matter is you have created so much success just around Shark Tank, where it took you, where it led you to being called back odds as a guest judge to being the company that's grossed the most income from Shark Tank or, or having a product on the show. There are so many accolades that came from that. And it is it's inspiring to hear. And God, I hope there's inventors out there that are listening to this today or there are. Young people that are listening to this today that have a dream that go out and follow it and, and, and have that self-belief. Because I tell you something, if you don't start and try, you'll never, ever know. So it's just inspiring to hear. Um, and, you know, you just brought something up, which is that you're humble and you, you don't necessarily like to celebrate the big wins such as that one. And I've read uh, in articles that as a company you don't go out and celebrate big wins, but you're continuously looking for the next challenge, how to continue growing. So my question is like, how do you keep employee morale up, especially during these strange times? How do you get people excited in your firm and get people juiced up for the next best thing? Like if you're not celebrating those big wins, I guess.
1: And this is like, I, I, one of the things I'll start with, with With this is I never give advice to anyone because I think there's so many different ways to do something that advice comes from, it comes from like the individual and everyone's different. So, yeah. but what I will say is I think that culture is misunderstood. I think it's that good culture has to be everyone's like rah-rah and having lunches and, you know, having beers and, all like that, that creates happiness. And I actually don't think it does. I think what, I think focusing on the customer, you know, part of why we don't celebrate at Ring, and we do celebrate in terms of like, if there's something big and it's exciting, we'll send an email out and say like, this was good, you know, good job. But the idea about celebrating is by having a no celebration rule is we're not perfect. There's always a customer out of our millions and millions of customers, there's always a customer that we're not providing the best service for. Find that customer instead of celebrating find that customer, find that person, build a better product. We're we're, we're still, you know, we're still inventing stuff. We're still, so, you know, we're we're a very missionary company around making neighborhoods safer. Like we haven't made every neighborhood safer. There's still things that we can do to make more neighborhoods safer, to make the world better. And so who are we to sort of celebrate in that? And from the culture side to the point of people being excited, you then end up attracting people to your business that I say are like marathoners, you know, people who run marathons. It's like the, it's, marathons are like, I've done a few, so like I'll put myself in this. It's like a very dumb thing. Like you work very hard to do this. You train for many hours a week. No one knows you're doing it. You finish, normal people finish, you know, 10,000th place. So like, you're not even in like, you know, there's just a sea of people and you're one of them. Um, But you're so proud of yourself for doing it. And so, like, I want the people that are proud because they're doing something they believe in, not because of the accolades and the fake sort of stuff from that.
0: I love that, Jamie. You know what I'm realizing the more and more we record is the more and more similarity And the more in common I have with every single person that I'm interviewing, and it's not because the people I interview have more or less money or more or less fame, it's that I'm realizing a common theme, which is the mentality of each of us. And we create our own success and everyone has their own angle of how they view success. And I very much relate to everything you just said in my own field of real estate, which is that I may have closed a 50, 90, $100 million deal. The next day, I'm not out blowing all my commission. I'm proud, I'm excited, but I'm next day thinking, right, what can I do next? How can I do it better? What did I learn from that experience? What can I help other people learn from that experience? And I think it's a specific mentality that you have and I believe I have, which is that we're always trying to improve, better ourselves and look at what we can do better. And I, and I love that, thank you for sharing it. I'm curious to know, well, I'm curious to know so much, but I would love to know what has been the most difficult lesson to learn in your career? You know, all this success, I know there's been ups and downs obviously, but if there was one lesson that you found the most difficult that you learned through this journey, what it would be? That one's simple. You know, with Ring, very early
1: on, when we sort of decided to focus on it, and even in Dorabot, we had this mission to make neighborhoods safer. And a lot of things I had done until then, my serial entrepreneur days, I had done this, you know, taking voicemail and turning it into text. It turns out I didn't care about voicemail. I didn't care if I made your voicemail more efficient. It didn't matter to me. It didn't matter to the world. I mean, maybe it was a good product, but you know, I unsubscribe.com. I made email a little more efficient. Great. But it doesn't like, you know, and I think what I learned is this stuff is so hard. The failure rate is so high. That if you're going to do it, if you're going to put your family at risk to do this and, and you know, financially, let's say not like physically at risk, but like financially, if you're going to put yourself financially at risk to do this, if you're going to have the stress of doing this, do something that when you wake up in the morning, you feel like you're making a difference. And it doesn't, you don't have to be saving lives literally, but do something that you believe in, in your gut makes a difference for people. And when you do that, I think that's when, you know, do the no's and all this stuff. That's when you will never take a no, because when you're doing something for the right reason, you
0: keep doing it. Love that answer. And why do you think, you know, so many people have tried to do what Jamie Semenov has done, right? You know, there's so many people and it goes for any industry, any field, actor, athlete, real estate agent, inventor. Why do you think it is that you succeeded where so many others have failed, both as an entrepreneur and as an inventor?
1: You know, I think. I mean, luck is a huge you know, part of any any of our successes are, are you know, we can track back to some luck. Um, but I do look at luck as the lottery. And, and every hour we work, every hour we hustle, every hour we do all, like that, we go out and push it a little harder. We get another lottery ticket. And no matter how many lottery tickets you have, unless you buy them all, you're not guaranteed to win. But the more lottery tickets you have, the more likely you are that one will hit. And so To me, it's like, it's grit, it's execution, it's hustle, it's being inventive, and each one of those things doesn't guarantee you success. It just gets you another lottery ticket, and the more you have, the more likely
0: you are then have luck, and then that together is what creates success. David and I sat in a listing meeting, not to bore you, but a 30-second story. We sat in a listing meeting maybe three months ago that we had lost three times. And it's for 10 acres of land. We're asking $150 million for it. And we'd already pitched these people three times and we sat down and they said, why do you think we should give it to you? And We said, because we're very lucky. (laughs) We said, we bring luck, we bring enthusiasm and we're in the right place at the right time. And the guys looked at each other and they said, shit, we need a bit of luck. And they signed on the dotted line right there. And it's so true in so many ways. If you breathe positivity, you bring luck. And it's not just, oh my God, you hit jackpot because you were lucky. There's things that you've done along the way that put you in the position to even be lucky in the first place. That's my belief. Eh? And that's,
1: I, so I, I, I totally agree because I think what it is is that I would say the same set of things doesn't always result in success. So you need to have that, some of that luck. But I have found that that most people that get lucky work really, really, really hard. They hustle, yep. they're like, to yep. your point, so you're bringing luck, but you're also, you're working hard. And then hopefully something from that will fall out and you just keep going, keep going, keep going. So that's that energy and that's that thing. And then to what I like about the lottery example is we'll always find then the example of the person who stumbled into something, barely did anything and made $500 million or whatever it is. And the world looks at that person and says, they're smart, they're successful, they're this. And I would say, just like to the lottery example, it doesn't mean you have to work hard and hustle. Some people get super lucky. What I've found in my life is that 99.9% of people that are successful have worked
0: really, really, really hard. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. And let me tell you, from the little I know about tech companies or just really the, the, the idea of starting a new company, that startup life, it's full of unknowns, raising capital, a lot of inherently very stressful situations come from that. How did you learn to deal with the stress and the chaos of it all? Because you have to have a certain mentality going through all of that. How did you sort of deal with all of that along the way? So I, mean, I think one is like
1: it takes a village. your family has to be with you on this journey, um, and, and it's your wife, it's your kids. It really you need that support system around you, especially the one that's that's the closest to you. and so that that's very important. And the other thing I, I exercise. I run yep. I, I love trail running and I love mountain biking, and so I go on my mountain bike or run outdoors every day for you know thirty minutes to an hour. And it just clears my mind. It's just, there's something about like forcing the exercise, being outside the fresh air, being able to do that to me
0: is like something I've done all my life and it does allow me to reset no matter how bad the day is going. Totally agreed. My workouts in the morning are what clears my head. I'm not thinking about my email, my phones, my texts, who I need to get back to. It just gives you that clear mind to go out and start the day. And I've been talking a lot about that during the pandemic, which is you have to clear your mind. You have to start your day fresh and you can't let the anxiety build up and get to you because ultimately there's a trickle down effect and it can quite literally ruin a whole day. So I I so agree with you. So Jamie, the big question I have and And you've touched on it throughout the segment today, Um, but it really is what comes to mind as the moment where everything in life changed for you. And I don't necessarily mean financially. Um, Obviously, that would have been a great day. But there was a moment in your life, I'm sure, where everything changed. It clicked. It made sense. Is there like one pivotal moment for you? Is there many? Really curious to know more about that most pivotal one was,
1: you know, I was doing unsubscribe.com. It was 2010. I was just not happy. And I went through, I remember going through every scenario of the company. Like, like if, if, if sort of every different thing happened, what would that be? And I couldn't figure out how to make the company bigger than let's call it even like $30 million. Like, so, which, which, you know, would have been great, but that was like the best I could figure out. Like, like that was like the penultimate. And I remember just like, trying to figure this out, I had investors in it. And I just said, I just don't love this. I really just, I have all these ideas I've been writing down on my phone and I just wanna like work on them and see which one gets, you know, bigger. And I just wanna like go in my garage. And that was, that really was, I mean, it was the start of Ring, but it was also the start of me being able to find who I was. And and that was an interesting thing. That was after I, you know, I I was, I'm 43 right now. So I was like 34 you know, going into my garage to find myself. Like that's, it's kind of scary, but it really was, I was, I just was definitely happier to know who I am and to do that. And it's when I realized I wasn't, I was not an entrepreneur. To me, an entrepreneur is someone who wants to build a business. I was an inventor. I was someone who wanted to solve problems. And so I went in my garage and I started just hacking away at this stuff. And it did lead to Ring But I don't think it in essence led to ring because it was just, it led to ring because I started doing
0: what I was passionate about. And what I could, you know, when you're doing what you're passionate about, that's when you achieve greatness, I think. I absolutely love that. It's so true. I worked in a career for seven years where I made an amazing amount of money and I was miserable miserable. And, and and very quickly, my wife was eight months pregnant with our second daughter and the economy was bouncing back and I was desperate to get into real estate. And I went home one day and I told my wife, I'm quitting my job to get into real estate. And I will never forget that look in her face like, She was about to shoot me. (laughs) And it was because I was miserable what I was doing, but I had this clear vision of what I wanted to do and what would make me happy. And I believed in it. And that was where I set up my real estate career and my business with David. And oh my God, eight years later, I cannot believe I would have ever even second questioned that. So I really get that. And my God, thank God you did go your own separate ways with unsubscribe.com and set up ring. And that's, it's a, it's a great story though. And I'm sure there's so many people out there with a similar mindset. They're comfortable with what they're doing. Maybe they're not even happy, but the money's steady. It makes sense. But if you have a passion and drive to do something that you believe in, that you can be successful with, follow that passion, follow that dream and and go for it. That's my Definite advice. And, and I do, and I know we're getting to the end here, but I do want to quickly touch on personal life, you know, family life, balance, because I think it's such a big thing in, in your industry. And I'm curious, like, do you find you're able to maintain a good amount of balance in your life? You've got so many demanding projects. How do you navigate your personal relationships with friends and family and your three dogs uh h- how do you how do you navigate all of that yeah I, I i think i was trying to do that before covid i think covid
1: really didn't you know we talked about it earlier i'll, I'll just say i mean it. it you know not it, i will take the positive side out of a very negative situation but i do think it really has i, I think i have not been someone who was good at that looking back and now with this, I I, I do think my life, I will not go back to the same a lot of the same things I did before. I can be just as efficient, I can be just as good of a person in the business and also be a great sort of father, a great family member, a great friend to people. And I think that's something that is important in my life now.
0: I love that. I've been saying, and I don't know whether or not you agree, but COVID has done for me what I couldn't do for myself which was slow down, take a step back, know that everything is gonna be okay, cherish my wife, my children, sit at a dinner table without a phone, not rush every morning at 6 a.m. to get to it. And without COVID, I don't think I would have been able to readjust. So you have to find the positives in bad situations. And that is definitely the one for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's like someone unplugged the treadmill. You know, and it just—it's yeah. something you just—you yeah. you just, know—you just couldn't do it yourself. And I agree. I think it—it is—it it has done that for me, and I, it's shown me, I think, a way of doing things that is just different.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because doing research on you and the early days, you know, I I wanted to touch quickly on married life, the, the role that your wife has played in this professional success, because I read in the earlier days, you know, she was very much there for you, offered to mortgage a house. I mean, she was very pivotal to your career and success. And I'm curious, tell me about that, because they are our rock. And it sounds to me like that's definitely the case here.
1: Yeah, and I think and I think people underestimate again how important the people around you are to your success. It takes a team. It's it's the people that work with you. It's but if you if you know if you don't have a supportive family member, it's very tough to go do these things. Um, and it doesn't mean like they shouldn't question you. I mean like when your wife said are you crazy? You know, like kind of like you should get questioned, but I'm sure she was there to support you. And Aaron was always there to support me in this stuff, you know, it was always the backstop. She had a good career herself. So she made some money. So it allowed us to, it allowed me to go in my garage. It allowed me to, you know, but she yeah. also a lot of spouses would have said, no, you're not just going to go in your garage and invent, like you're going to get a job and work. Like you're like, that's not what you do. And so I think having someone to support, you know, the crazier sides of us and the stuff that doesn't sound right is how you then are able to achieve greatness. And so, yeah, I think I'm just very fortunate that, you know, to have that.
0: I absolutely love it. What an amazing, amazing story, Jamie. I cannot even... I don't even know how to thank you because... For me, this segment has a lot of meaning to me because I've always had such a fascination with people that invent and business people. And I feel like you've touched on absolutely everything today. Um, The time has come to wrap things up. Although to be fair, I could probably speak to you for another nine hours. Although your team might wanna kill me if I did that. But at the end of every episode, we close things out with a little segment called Chaotic questions with James. Jamie, are you ready? Uh, I hope so. All right, we'll keep it quick. Quick answers. What room in your house do you spend the most time in? It's my little pool house here. (laughs) Better than the garage. Although the garage seemed to be pretty good. Um, Okay, what are you currently learning?
1: What am I currently learning right now? Probably mostly the Ring Always Home Cam has really a lot of technologies that we never used before um, and I'm learning a lot about aerodynamics and how to sort of uh,
0: multi-bladed rotors. And so
1: a lot, a lot of stuff around flying.
0: Holy shit. I love it. Okay. What motivates you? Uh,
1: my neighbors. So we call our customers neighbors and uh, my email's on every box. And it really is, you know, being there for our neighbors to build things, invent things and make their lives better. That, that really keeps me going.
0: Dude, your email is on every box? Every box. You rock star. My God, that's like me putting my cell phone number on every listing. I don't think I'd ever sleep. Good man. And lastly, Jamie, what piece of advice would you give to your younger self?
1: That's a hard one because I think there's so many things you have to go through that are hard to learn. So one side of me wants to protect my younger self from all the things I went through that were bad. And the other side is, I don't think I'd be who I am today if I didn't have those experiences. So maybe it's just you know, like stay tough and be good, Jamie. And, uh, and and you know, I, guess I I I do think I'm a good person. You know, we do a lot of charitable things and I think it's,
0: it's like keep giving back and be a good person. Amen to that, man. I love it. Jamie, I really cannot thank you enough for being a guest on the podcast. Where can people follow you to stay up to date on what you're up to?
1: I uh, just think like, follow Ring. I don't really do the social media stuff, so...
0: Um, yeah, that, that, I leave that up to you. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Fantastic. You guys can follow me on Instagram at JamesBondST. To everybody watching, hit that subscribe button on YouTube. If you're listening, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe and listen anywhere you get your podcasts. Tell your friends, your neighbors, and anyone who would enjoy the positively chaotic podcast. Thanks for listening. Jamie. Wow, dude, you are the man. I love that so much. I can't thank you enough, really. Dude, so fun. So fun. Blinds.com makes it simple to shop top quality blinds, shades, and interior shutters from home with easy online ordering, free shipping, and a guaranteed fit, whether you DIY or have them installed for you. Go right now and see how much you can save at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.